<laughs> wow, five shows in five days. Haven't done that in quite a while. What a what a feat, man. What a feat. Someday, what's the dream? Maybe someday doing seven shows in seven days. Wouldn't that be something? There's always stuff to talk about. It's easy if you try. Tonight's show is another one that I've had on my agenda for some time. And I just want to clear these all out because we need to make room for new shows that will be coming up. So we're clearing out the closet right now. The closet full of thumbnails. You got pockets full of rainbows and closets full of thumbnails. Have you checked out, speaking pockets full of rainbows, have you checked out the Danzig Sings Elvis live show that we did on Wednesday? It was really fun. Steve Zing dropped by. Chris Christopher J. Jimenez dropped by. We had a great chat. We learned about the inner machinations of putting on an Elvis show. It was a lot of fun. Um, so check that out. Tonight, we are talking about comic books. We're talking about not just comic books, we're talking about movies. We're talking about Batman. Batman is probably my favorite superhero. We've talked about Batman briefly here before. Why do I love Batman so much? Yeah, Droid, I agree, man. It was a great show. Why do I love Batman so much? Because Batman is a human being. He's kind of like Spidey here. You know, they say Spider-Man is so universally loved and appreciated and sort of applicable because it could be anybody under that mask, right? You know, um, in the case of Batman, Batman is just a mortal human. He may be have all the money in the world. He may have all the Elon Musk, you know, Bill Gates, whoever, whatever, billions and billions of dollars. When the character first started, he was a millionaire. I'm going to sneeze. feel it coming. Ooh, it's coming. Excuse me. Hate it when that happens. Interrupts the broadcast. Terrible. Um, It's not just that he has more money than anybody on the history of the planet. It's... The fact that, hey, Ron, what's going on? We got Ron in the house. Ron's my my Monday night buddy. He's got a, a an incredible mustache. Good to see you, Ron. Rue says, Bruce has the power of will. He's smart and rich. That's a good point, Rue, and I was going to get to that as well. The fact, Bruce Wayne's superpower is his will, and... The fact that Bruce Wayne, and I guess we should really talk about the core of the character just for a second. Bruce Wayne is the, he he is, well, first of all, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Batman is the real guy, right? Bruce Wayne, you know, died when his parents died. And the guy, Batman, he sort of wears Bruce Wayne as a mask. So it's one of the these reverse situations where the alter ego is the mask. It's the same thing, you know, it, this has been contextualized with with Clark Kent and and Superman Kal-El. Same exact situation. You know, uh Clark Kent is the mask. Superman is the real true guy. Quentin Tarantino did a wonderful job of explaining this in the second half of Kill Bill in a brilliant monologue done by David Carradine. 
So you have that aspect too. But yeah, he does have uh like he does have a power of will that makes him sort of superhuman in a way. But that's also part of his problem. Not his problem, but like at the center of the center of the character, he thinks that he can basically, you know, that he could wage a one-man war on all crime. Yes, Ron, you're absolutely right. Ego became his power. And Bruce, Batman has an incredible, incredible sense of ego. It's a sense of, of will. He really thinks that's his madness. And that's the other thing that makes Batman so interesting with his, with his, with, uh, his rogues gallery. You know, the thing that, that we love, our favorite superheroes are only as good as the rogues they have in their gallery. Spider-Man has a wonderful rogues gallery. Um, Batman has a wonderful rogues gallery. The, the memorable villains, right? But here's the thing about Batman. He is almost no different than the villains that he fights. You know, it's just that he's on the opposite side. You know, if the if you if everything is a spectrum, all of the rogues are on one side of the spectrum and he's on the other side. But he's just as crazy as he are. And it's because of his ego. It's because he experienced this incredibly traumatic event that that basically caused him to devote his entire life to sort of, you know, becoming the peak of everything, you know, uh, strategy and you know, uh, martial arts and technology and blending all these things together to become the world's greatest detective. That's another aspect that we don't always get in these movies that, that Batman is the world's greatest detective, you know, all of these things sort of coming together. It's been said, and sometimes they sort of overpower batman's ego in the comic books and a great example of this is against superman you know every time that batman and superman go up against each other everybody's really afraid of batman he's got all these contingency plans you read tower of babel he comes up with ways to destroy the entire justice league he's really really smart and devious in that kind of way he has contingency plans and fail states for every type of situation but, uh, superman is the only guy that entrusts him with kryptonite you know, like in case something ever bad happens to him, it's kind of like that. But what but what's interesting is and they always say they 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 always say with enough time and planning, Batman with enough time, planning and resources, Batman can defeat any foe. And they sort of overpower him when it comes to Superman, because the reality is that Superman would find him in one second and snap his neck. Right. But they always give, you know, Batman some sort of incredible way of, you know, getting out of it <laughs> every time every single time but that's what i love him but we're talking about so the, but what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the the cinematic excuse me i have some serious allergies going on right now we're going to talk about the cinematic uh versions of batman here's the thing and we discussed this a little bit on this channel but every single batman movie that has come out has been valid in some way shape or form what did you just say, Jeff? What? Valid? Even the bad ones? Yes, even the bad ones. You know why? Because they are all adaptations of this character and 
all of them are kind of valid interpretations of the character in different ways. For instance, Michael Keaton's Batman, the first Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, you know, uh, which was lauded and venerated when it came out, became, you know, sort of unfashionable after a while. You know, when especially in the in the early aughts, when when Christopher Nolan was doing his Dark Knight trilogy, suddenly Michael Keaton became sort of very passe. You know, like the the notion for me, what makes what makes Michael Keaton valuable as Batman, it's not the Batman side. It's like when he says lines like nuts, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You know, stuff like that. Like, because Batman would never say anything like that. You know, that's not how Batman would play that. He might put a silver serving plate in his in his, you know, against his body to stop a little pea shooter bullet that the Joker has, but he wouldn't say nuts. Whoa, that was crazy. Did you guys see that? I saw that. Um, so, but the thing is, whether it's in or out of style, it's still valid. And the original Batman movie, uh, the, 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 the Tim Burton one is just a, an adaptation of the original 1939 Batman in that kind of way. And every Batman since has been some sort of, interpretation of the dark knight you know what i'm saying even batman and robin the batman that everybody loves to hate is a very valid interpretation of batman if any of you are readers comic book readers you'll know that batman and robin is just taking a page out of the batman 66 show or if you read 1960s if you read silver age and golden age batman stories you're gonna find so much dna that got put in that batman and robin movie okay it just that's part of batman's character too that there is a huge camp there's like this campy goofy element to batman as well so everything is valid in its own way shape or form and we've gotten many different versions we have our tim burton batman as we said we have our joel schumacher batman two batmans that i love i love i love all the batmans for different reasons too uh my least favorite Batman might be the Christopher Nolan Batman. I really am not a fan of Christian Bale and what he did with the character. I thought he betrayed some of the core tenets. Like, for instance, we were talking before about what makes Batman Batman and that, you know, as Ron said, super ego, you know, ego and willpower. Rue was talking about willpower and stuff. The thing... Another thing that makes Batman Batman is he'll never stop being Batman. So to see him wanting to hang up the cowl in in the Dark Knight, I, I just went, no, this is not Batman. Batman would never let Harvey Dent put a gun up to someone's head and not put him in jail. He'd go, Harvey, you need help. You know what I mean? Um, What's up? What's up, Amy? I love the Adam West Batman. Adam West Batman's great. All the Batmans are valid. As I said, they're all valid. Daniel says, I'm reading Batman. They're dark designs now. Um, I'm not. Is that a new book? I stopped reading in 2009. Batman R.I.P. Uh, Grant Morrison, Batman R.I.P. That was my the last time I really, really, really dived. I read Court of Owls, too. I read Court of Owls. Um, yes. Uh, Christian Bale did a much better job with with, uh, with Bruce Wayne than Batman. The Bruce Wayne felt flushed out. It really felt like a dynamic character, you know? Uh, I've talked with Chris. 
I've talked with my friend Bob Rose. We've we've talked ad nauseum about the Batman movies that were, and I love talking about this. I could talk about them till I'm blue in the face. Ah, oh, that is a new book. That is a new book. Cool. I, I am not familiar with it because, like I said, I read um, I read from Nightfall in 1991's uh, Nightfall when when Bane first came out, the the first appearance of Bane, and I read all the way to Batman R.I.P. So I read about 30, no, not 30, uh, what 20. 22 years of Batman books, something like that, you know, like, like the run. I, I feel like I have a good, a good understanding of modern Batman. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, this is a good point that Daniel brings up. The Christopher Nolan Batman movies are not superhero movies. They're really subtle. What ifs Batman could be real? I, 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 I dig that. I dig that. Um, I yes, I'm very sad that we didn't get the Batfleck movie. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Let's let's take a look at all of our here. I got a list here, guys. I got two lists here. Let's take a look at the lists because some of these are very interesting, and we can expand based on this. Um, let's share our little screen here. By the way, for those of you who are local, come join us in Lodi, New Jersey, tomorrow night. We got Robbie Bloodshed, Voice of Doom, um, and Tony Secret Subway, and I'm I'm hosting the show. It's gonna be great. Okay, so here we go. Oops. So here is our first list. This is from Movie Web. Bat ten Batman movies that never got made. I'm telling you, the Batman movies that never got made are just as interesting as the ones that did. I mean, we've been pretty lucky. We've gotten a lot of Batman movies. We have. There have been tons. You know, we can't. We can't just friggin' like be greedy about it. Matt says, "Dude, you love the Misfits. You go deep." Viva Glenn Danzig. Yeah, dude, I love all that stuff. Um, how do I feel about Dan asks? How do I feel about the new Batman movie trailers with Robert Patterson? I'll tell you something. I wasn't going to talk about it, but since you brought it up, I was very, very skeptical just in the way that I was sort of skeptical about Ben Affleck. I was skeptical about Christian Bale. I was skeptical about all these guys playing Batman. And I got to tell you, when I, when Ben Affleck, when I finally saw caught Ben Affleck in, in Zack Snyder's films, I was I was really 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 happy with what he did with the character. I thought he was a great live action Batman. When I saw Robert Pattinson, Patterson, whatever his name is, I was like, hell no, this is never gonna work. Like, look at this. I mean, look at this emo looking Bruce Wayne Batman character. I have no interest in this. I will just because here's the thing. They are going to make Batman movies until the end of time, until the end of civilization. They are just going to keep rebooting and doing new takes of Batman, which I'm happy with. Like, just keep them coming, man. And here's the thing. If there's a take of Batman that I don't like or that you don't like, we can just skip over it and wait for the next one, right? And so that's how I was feeling about the Batman. Matt Reeves, the Batman. Matt Reeves did the, the new Planet of the Apes movie, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, and I just looked, I took one look at this dude and I said, he is not going to be a good Batman. This is going to be really, really bad. I just, I don't care. And then I decided to watch the trailer because 
I had heard that the three hour cut of the film, they do have uh, Jeffrey, oh, what's his name? Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon. Excellent casting choice. I'm really excited to see what he can do in that role. But, you know, I I just didn't think Robert would be able to, you know, he's a great actor, but he's no Batman. He's not a Batman. I took one look at him with that stupid haircut. I said, this isn't going to work. I wanted John Hamm to play Batman. John Hamm is Batman. But I decided to watch this trailer, right? And I was just absolutely blown away. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I considered doing a frame-by-frame breakdown of the trailer like we did with Glenn Danzig's Death Rider in the House of Vampires. And I still might, but I haven't done it yet. And I was just so blown away by the trailer. I'm, I'm in. I am 150% in. So to sort of counter every single thing I just said, I was so blown away by the trailer that I have a complete opening, complete open mind. As Dan says, I felt the same way about Heath Ledger. We were like, Heath Ledger is the Joker? But Heath Ledger is the best thing about Christopher Nolan's movies. He is the best. I, I am not a fan of The Dark Knight, but I will watch it over and over and over again for Heath Ledger's performance. You know, Um Dan says, funny thing, if you read the original 1989 Batman script, which was written by Sam Hamm, it puts much more emphasis on Bruce Wayne. I did not know that. Um, it was a later draft that brought the Joker to the forefront to justify Jack Nicholson's salary, probably. I'm pretty sure Jack Nicholson, or I'm pretty sure that that What's-His-Face was always going to be the Joker. Always. Why are you, uh, Chris, why are you surprised, bro? I'm always talking about shit, let alone Batman. Freaking Batman. Yeah, man. Real sad that, that we lost Heath Ledger. What a, what a role, though, huh? What a magnum performance to go out on. So here's 10 Batman movies that were, oh, oh, just to finish that up about the Batman, the trailer, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And I don't watch trailers. I didn't watch the trailer for Scream. I said to myself, I'm not going to watch the Scream trailer. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to go in blind for Scream. But for the Batman, I had to check it. I had to see what all the hubbub was about, about Robert Pattinson. And I got to tell you, he really kind of won me over in that trailer. He looks like this dark, gritty, brooding detective Batman. And I want to see how he does it. And I have a really, really good feeling about it. I do. I do. I'm 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 feeling a little optimistic. Um or at least more optimistic than I was. Cuz like I said, if you don't like a if you don't like a version of Batman, just let it pass like a bad piece of food. You know, if you get food poisoning, got to let it pass through and just wait until it's over. You know what? I'm I I feel pretty good about this. I feel pretty good about this. So here we go. This is from Movie Web. It's by Ryan J Downey. Here we go. Did you know that there have been quite a few canceled batman movies over the past few years and some great directors have been attached but alas they were never meant to be batman has made his way from the pages of dc comics onto the silver screen with a number of actors under the cowl including adam west michael keaton my favorite guys who do you think my favorite batman of all is chris knows the answer who do you think my favorite batman of all it's val mother effing kilmer that's right 
I love Val Kilmer's Batman. I think Batman Forever might be my favorite live-action Batman movie. That's not true. That's not true. I love Batman Returns, too. But I love me some Batman Forever. And you know what? I like Batman and Robin. George Clooney, great Batman. Mis misdirected, but a great Batman. The potential was there. And I hate this narrative. I hate this narrative that, like, you know, he's no good or whatever. You know? I mean, we've gotten pretty lucky when it comes to Batman. I mean, really, the weakest, one of the weakest links for me was Christian Bale. And yes, we got uh, George Clooney, Christian Bale, and of course, Ben Affleck, Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher, Christopher Nolan, and Zack Snyder are among the folks behind the scenes who have had a hand in getting the Caped Crusader into the multiplex, but uh, but won't about what? But won't, this is a typo, but won't about those that didn't. But what about those that didn't is what he meant to say. What do you mean? Get out of here. This nonsense. You, you know, you know, you like Val Kilmer too. Chris, Chris likes Val Kilmer. He's just being ridiculous right now. It's all, it's the whiskey has gone to his brain. Since legendary co-creators Bob Kane and Bob, uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Who the, who wrote this? It's Bill Finger, not Bob Finger. Uh, who wrote this garbage? This guy is a doofus. Ryan J. Downey. Get, I mean, geez Louise, like. Like, do some research, man. It's not Bob Finger. It's Bill Finger. Dude has passed away. You know, have some respect for the dead. Bob Kane and Bill Finger gave life to Bruce Wayne back in 1939. At least he has the, you know, at least he has the dignity to co-credit Bill Finger because he, he is absolutely just as much of a creator of Batman as Bob Kane was. Absolutely. Um, there have been a there have been a number of Batman projects in various stages of Hollywood development, with several adaptations nearly getting made. Some sound great, some sound atrocious, but all would have been endlessly fascinating in some way, shape, or form. Here we take a look at the heroes, villains, and filmmakers behind ten Batman movies you never saw. Sure, some sound great, but most of them sound awful. I'll be the judge of that. Um, now with the Justice League and the Batman on the horizon. Oh yeah, right. Because this is from this article is from 2007, by the way, S 2017. Um, all we can think about is how these might have turned out and what awaits us in the future. With the current Batman, Ben Affleck still wavering on whether or not to ditch the cape and cowl and let someone else give it a try. We know what happened in that situation. Affleck bowed out, and Robert Pattinson came in. Affleck was supposed to be Affleck was supposed to be the writer, director and star of the Batman. After the 1978 Superman movie directed by Richard Donner famously made the world believe that a man could fly. One of the screenwriters responsible for the film would soon was soon drafted to take a crack at Gotham City's brooding vigilante. Giving his work on nearly half a dozen James Bond films, it's safe to assume that the late screenwriter Tom Mankiewicz's take would have given us a much grittier version of the Cape Crusader than the campy 1960s TV series. His script was reportedly inspired by Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers' 
fan favorite detective comics run, a bright spot in the 70s comic book scene that bought that brought Batman to new heights. Once Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman came on board. Yes, this is bizarre. Bill Murray was rumored to star. Isn't that crazy? And David Bowie would have been the Joker. Eddie Murphy was one of the names thrown around as a potential Robin, which is just absolutely bizarre to me. Like Bill Murray and <laughs> Eddie Murphy as Robin. That's nuts. See, Amy says Schumacher's Batman is a bit silly and lighthearted major cheese. But I'll tell you something. The opening, the openings of both of those movies, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, are absolutely the best openers. It's better than the opening of the original Batman, and I think it might be better than the opening in Batman Returns. They are edge-of-your-seat action sequences that just have you so thoroughly into the movie. Uh, Joel Schumacher knew how to direct Batman. He really did. And I, I I hope that there is some sort of like season of the witch revival for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin that really allow people to understand and appreciate what Joel Schumacher did. You know what I'm saying? Um Droid Little says, I, I think we'll always be partial to the eighty nine Keaton Batman. Saw it in the theater when I was a kid. Me too. Was huge at the time. Of course. You know, everybody has their Batman that they grew up with. You know, I grew up with Keaton. I grew up with with Val Kilmer. And I grew up with George Clooney, man. Th those were all my Batman. Even Adam West was my Adam West was my first Batman. Kevin Conroy, the one true voice of Batman. Rue's mind is blown right now with the notion that Bill Murray would be Batman and Bowie would be the Joker. Well, how would Bill Murray do it? <laughs> I was just about to try and do a Bill Murray impression like Caddyshack and Batman <laughs> just would be ridiculous. It would be it would be absolutely bananas. It would be bananas. Um, I It's a shame that Mark Hamill was never utilized as a live action Joker because he could totally do it. He could totally play a live action Joker. It would work. It would really, really work well. Let's read on, shall we? We we don't we do not have all night. We do not have all night. Um, Warner ordered multiple rewrites with various writers, which is funny considering that Mankiewicz. I'm probably butchering his name. I'm sorry, buddy. Himself served as a go-to script doctor for the studio. He punched up Gremlins, The Goonies, and War Games. Even after this version of Batman collapsed, because that's what happens. A movie. It's development hell, right? Oh my God, I could, I couldn't, um, I couldn't see Bill Murray as the Cape Crusader at all. That'd be, that'd be nuts. That'd be so nuts. It just wouldn't work. It, it, he still could be a great live action Joker. It's very possible. I, I yes, Renny, you're right, man. John Lydon, Johnny Rotten would make a fantastic. He'd make a fantastic Joker. He would. Um. Let's read on. Bill Murray was still in consideration for Tim Burton's Batman before Michael Keaton was cast. I mean, isn't that isn't that the most 80s thing? That's the most 80s notion I've ever heard. Two of those things are the most 80s notions I ever heard. One, Bill Murray being Batman. That's such an what an 80s thing to say. That's number one. Number two, 
freaking um michael keaton the the guy from gung-ho mr mom and the dream team we're gonna make that guy batman <laughs> i mean that's just kind of insane it's kind of crazy it's no it really is crazy though um what else what else uh he was in consideration for tim burton's batman before michael keaton was cast Mel Gibson, Alec Baldwin. Yes, I remember when Alec Baldwin was in the running too. Charlie Sheen and Pierce Brosnan were rumored possibilities as well. They really just didn't know what Batman was supposed to look and feel like. You know, I love the Dream Team. Dream Team is my favorite Keaton film, I think. I, I really love it. It's a great comedy. Um, Dan says that he heard that Adam West was supposed to be in the 89 Batman when it was an adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, Oh, my God. Yes, that's right. Johnny Dangerously Keaton is great. You Fargan bastages. Great friggin' movie. Johnny Dangerously. I haven't seen that in years. That deserves its own renaissance as well. Yeah, they, they just didn't they want Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin might have been able to do it. I mean, he ended up playing The Shadow. Charlie Sheen, maybe. Pierce Brosnan would have been weird. And Mel Gibson, I don't think so. Speaking of Tim Burton, the third entry in the successful franchise, the visionary filmmaker kicked off with 1989's Batman and continued with 1992's Batman Returns was originally his for the taking. That was a really like long drawn out way of saying that Tim Burton was also going to do a third Batman film. Um, though Billy D. Williams had already appeared as Burton's Harvey Dent, the Riddler would have been the only ver villain in Burton's version of Batman Forever, for which he is a producer. If you look at the credits to Batman Forever, you will see Burton as a producer. Um, Burton's version of Batman Forever with the late Robin Williams at the top of the list for the role as the Riddler. I remember hearing that as well. Burton was keen to introduce Marlon Wayans as Robin in his third film. There was a sequence in the first Batman that was, would have introduced Robin, and it got cut. Uh, of course, they do introduce Robin in Batman Forever, played by Chris O'Donnell. Um, and it says here, it almost happened with Batman Returns, but it really almost happened with Batman. Ultimately, when Warner decided to lighten up the tone of the franchise with a new director and Keaton walked from the project, Waynes was cut as well as he was fame, though he was famously still paid. So, you know, they have this thing called pay to play, you know, um, and even if like even if you don't play the role, they still pay you, you know, if you're under if it's in your contract or whatever. And there's so much money in state at stake with these movies that it's actually cheaper. It's cheaper to pay someone to walk than it would be to cast them and maybe lose all of the box office receipts, you know, in that kind of way. Now, by far the most interesting film for me on this whole list, I, I would have loved to have seen what Joel Schumacher's Batman Unchained would have been now they call it Batman Unchained, but there was another title that went around the title that I remember from that time from the late 90s because I followed this stuff like it was religion was the title Batman Triumphant. And we were all told that Nicolas Cage was going to play the Scarecrow. 
Um, John Travolta was going to be in it. Like it was going to be this crazy movie, you know, uh, and it was going to be called Batman Triumphant. Like Tim Burton, the Lost Boys director, Joel Schumacher, they say here it's called Batman Unchained. Lost Boys director Joel Schumacher made two Batman films, serving as sequels to Burton's films, rather than going the reboot route. Now, what really connects these films, all four original 90s Warner, Warner Brother films, whatever you want to no, know, Batman was in 89. Uh, what connects these four, the four original Warner Brothers films are Michael Goh as Alfred and Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. Um, who are in all four films. That that's what kind of keeps a little bit of the continuity. A little bit. Batman Forever with Val Kilmer in the lead was certainly less strange and more f family friendly than Batman Returns, while still maintaining a bit of the balance. We were talking yesterday about soundtracks, Batman Forever soundtrack. That was the soundtrack to the summer of 1995. Brilliant soundtrack. You have Seal... Even that, you know, the only U2 song that I really love and appreciate because I don't like U2, the only song that they ever did that I thought was great was Hold Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me, Thrill Me off of the Batman Forever soundtrack. It's great. Um, but Schumacher, Schumacher's follow-up with George Clooney as Bruce Wayne stalled the franchise, scaring... Hollywood away from big budget superhero movies altogether for a minute. A notoriously campy Mr. Freeze. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with a campy Mr. Freeze? Poison Ivy, Batgirl, and Bat Nipples were among many problems that made Batman and Robin a massive failure. I'm going to touch on the nips for a second. Oh my God. I would love Droid. That's the best comment I've ever heard. I would love a David Lynch Batman. I could sit here right now and pitch a David Lynch Batman. I'm not going to, but I'm going to think about it like tonight. Later tonight, I will be thinking about that. Now, let's touch on the bat nips for a minute. I, I, did, I, I made a clip about this when we previously, actually when we were doing the Death Rider episode, the um, the trailer. What is the deal? What's the problem with bat nips, dude? Like, honestly, who gives a, who gives a crap? Really, truly, it to me, this is invocative, indicative of homophobia in the 90s. Like, look at look at Roman armor breastplates with nipples on them. Like, it's just an aesthetic choice. Is it subversively gay? Yeah, a little bit. Who fucking cares? Honestly, who cares? The filmmaker is gay. Joel Schumacher was gay. And... The character, Batman, is a little gay. There is some serious gay subtext in Batman. To have a couple of nipples on the Batsuit is not a big deal. It's really not. I just will never understand. To me, it was just, it was a dog whistle for homophobia. In all honesty, it's straight up. I, I can't think of a single reason why anybody would have a problem with nips on the Batsuit. Especially when you look at it from like a Greek Roman sculpted perspective. He's wearing a breastplate. Breastplate. You know what I'm saying? It's totally fine, man. It really is. He's got a fucking cod piece. Nobody ever talks about the cod piece. Nobody ever talks about the butt leather shots. It's just about the bat nipples. Who 
cares? Honestly, who cares? Um, Christian says, I had a friend called Froome, but I don't hear from him again. I tried several times to contact him, but to no avail. He's a good friend, of course. That's nice. Um, that sounds like it's pronounced Froome. I pronounced my last name Frumis, although uh, a distant cousin of mine who's also Frumis, we don't actually, we're pretty sure we're related. She she pronounces her name as Frumis. And I always tell her, no, it's Frumis. We have the same initials and we're both in the arts. Um, shout out to Janine. Um, <laughs> who cares about bat nipples though? Seriously, like... Of course, prior to its release, the franchise was doing well enough that a third Schumacher film seemed like a given. A script was already in place, one that would have seen the Scarecrow as the villain and a move back towards the strange. Batman Unchained, often erroneously referred to... Oh, okay, so they actually bring it up. I, I don't know if I trust this guy because he thinks Bill Finger is Bob Finger, but he's claiming that it's 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 an error to refer to Batman Unchained as Batman Triumphant, which is such a better title to me personally, by fans would have introduced Harley Quinn, quite possibly played by either Courtney Love or Madonna. So, <laughs> oh my God, Madonna as Harley Quinn or Courtney Love. That's another very, very 90s choice to make. Schumacher wanted Nicolas Cage to play his main villain in a story that would see Batman locked inside Arkham Asylum as the Scarecrow dosed him with fear gas. That that sounds phenomenal. That sounds phenomenal. I, I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it. And we all know how much I love my, my Nicolas Cage. Um, it's a shame that it never happened. Uh, the script would have brought back every single Batman villain from the previous films in a big hallucination set piece where Batman was put on trial by his rogues gallery, Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, Two-Faced Mr. Freeze, and Poison Ivy would all be on hand, culminating in the on-screen return of Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Oh, my God! It's just that to me is brilliant. That's brilliant, man. Give me that. But alas, the poor reception to Batman and Robin put Schumacher's future with the franchise in jeopardy. The fact that gathering the likes of Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uma Thurman, and Jack Nicholson together in a single movie would have made this one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive scripts ever produced, certainly didn't help. I mean, come on. You think you could throw you could throw a million. Let's let's be realistic. Hey, we want you guys all to come back for one scene. We will pay you one million dollars to appear in one scene. Think about it. let's count that up. Ready? You got Danny DeVito, one million, two million, three million, four million, five million, six million, seven million. So $7 million to get all of the cast. You're telling me that, I mean, you could literally shoot it in like in like a week or a day. A $1 million fee, $7 million out of a budget that was probably going to be in the tens of millions, 20s of millions. You know, you would imagine that a, a Batman, the fifth Batman movie probably would have been, had a budget of like, 50 million or something. I don't know what the, the budget of the last one was, Batman and Robin, but I'm pretty sure it was handsome. 
And I'm pretty sure that every one of those actors, whether you're Jim Carrey getting $20 million a movie or Jack Nicholson, who got paid $50 million, that's right. Jack Nicholson's fee, not fee, but the total amount of money that he made because he had points on the box office or whatever for Batman, he made a total of $50 million. They could have made it happen. They could have made it happen, man. Despite rumored ideas like Kurt Russell for recasting Batman, that would have been interesting. Kurt Russell as Batman? I can't really see it, but Clooney was still signed on for another Batman movie as well, I guess. As recently as 1997, he was telling reporters that he'd be willing to do it while acknowledging the sh- uh, while acknowledging the shortcomings of Batman and Robin. The studio let Batman triumphant writer Stephen Wise and Lee Shapiro take another crack at the script. I would love to read that script. Take another crack at the script for Schumacher for a Schumacher-directed sequel. They kept the Scarecrow as the villain, adding Dr. Langstrom, who's Man-Bat, as well. There was talk of Terrence Stamp playing that role. Stamp, of course, was General Zod in the 1980s Superman 2. Batman Dark... Oh, sorry we've already we've skipped i skipped over the title joel schumacher's the batman dark knight this one i had never heard of i'm not familiar with this one uh, joel schumacher's batman dark knight um that so they would have had terrence stamp back batman dark knight was in development for a couple of years in 2015 lee and wise actually made the screenplay available to the public oh Baby, it's on Amazon and other retailers. That's great. I got to look into that. Joel Schumacher's The Dark Knight Returns. For a moment there. Now, that's crazy. And for years, let me tell you something. For years, we dreamed. I dreamed of A Dark Knight Returns directed by Robert Rodriguez. After Sin City came out, I used to just salivate over the idea of Robert Rodriguez doing the same thing with Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns because he did it with Frank Miller's Sin City so well. And even casting Bruce Willis as an over-the-hill Dark Knight. Um, My friend and I used to always go, you know, just dream cast this movie. And he was always of of the mind that Rugger Hauer would have been just perfect for the Dark Knight Returns live action. Of course, we sort of got a little bit of Dark Knight Returns in... Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice where we get the we get the epic face off that's very that borrows very heavily from the Dark Knight Returns tastefully might I add so for a moment there Schumacher nearly had Warner Brothers convinced to let him adapt Frank Miller's gritty graphic novel series The Dark Knight Returns about an aging Batman in the near future Gotham City for in my personal opinion the greatest comic book ever made even more than the Watchmen, it's the best. Come, son of Jarrell, kneel before Zod. <laughs> um, at that point, he reportedly wanted Clint. Now, this I remember: Clint Eastwood to play the senior citizen Batman. But I didn't know it was Joel Schumacher. I had always heard that Clint Eastwood was going to direct The Dark Knight Returns and star as Batman. Now, if you watch Gran Torino. That movie where he plays that racist, he plays this racist guy. That to me, it's not that I I don't think Bruce Wayne is racist, but 
I got to tell you, that character that he plays in Gran Torino, the racist old guy, is very close to uh, Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight Returns. It's so similar. It's almost pitch perfect, man. It's it's almost pitch perfect. Um, What's up? We got Chris in the house. Yeah, Batman year one. Um, David Bowie's name came up for the Joker once again as well. So that would have brought David Bowie, David Bowie's name back into the ring. At that point, the iconic pop star was 52 years old, which would have been perfect. Yeah. There was even talk of bringing back Michael Keaton, maybe to play Batman. And of course, that's now happened. 30 years later, Michael Keaton is playing Batman in The Flash, which is such like like face melting like fan service in the best way possible. I'm so happy about that. Um Bo Bose Bose Yankins Batman Beyond in the summer of 2017, rumors kicked into high gear that Ben Affleck had signed on to make an entire trilogy of Batman films with director Matt Reeves, who took over on a stand on the standalone film the batman originally to be written and directed by affleck himself we talked about this already the trilogy was said to set up batman beyond that i did not know the futuristic story of a young batman protege terry mcginnis mentored by bruce wayne who turned out if you if spoilers for anybody who who friggin who watched the show as it turns out, Batman ended up, Bruce Wayne ended up being Terry McGinnis's father. How that's possible, you got to watch and find out. But as it turns out, Terry McGinnis turns out to be part of this thing called Project Batman. And which is, you know, Amanda Waller, her whole thing about making superheroes. Crazy stuff. Of course, Batman Beyond... Um. This would make sense given that Affleck was already in his 40s when he first appeared as the character, but a Batman Beyond film nearly happened a long time ago, back when the success of Batman Beyond television series was fresh in the studio's mind. Co-creators Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, Paul Dini, the Dini-verse as they call it, he basically revitalized Batman in the animated form, starting with Batman the Animated Series in 1992, which was a direct result of the success of Tim Burton's films. Um, the uh, Burnett and Dini were tasked with writing a live action adaptation of the Terry McGinnis character's story for remember the Titans director, Bose Yankin Yakin. Incidentally, Yakin's first major credit was for another comic book film. He wrote the script for Marvel's 1989 version of the Punisher which starred Dolph Lundgren, a really weird movie, by the way. This is one that we all remember. This this really made the trades. This was a big buzz. Darren Aronofsky from Pi, Requiem for a Dream. Um, uh, what was that movie he did with Hugh Jackman? The future movie. Oh, shit. The, the, the time travel movie. I forget the name of it. He did Black Swan. Darren Aronofsky is considered to be a genius. Requiem for a Dream is a masterpiece for sure. Pi is a masterpiece as well. Eventually, Warner Brothers decided the best way to handle Batman was to reboot the character altogether, going back for, for an origin story. Schumacher's desire to mine some of Frank Miller's comic book material must have made an impression 
as the reboot idea was originally set to center around Miller's Batman Year One story, which for me is, you know, people revere Year One, but it's not nearly as good as The Dark Knight Returns. That's right. It's called The Fountain. Thank you, Daniel. That's the Darren Aronofsky movie. Chris says that we have to see the Japanese cut of The Punisher because it's a little bit more violent. I like that 2000. I like the Thomas Jane Punisher was was okay. And I like the sequel to that, too. That was pretty good. That that Whoever they got for the sequel as the Punisher, he was a really great Punisher. Um, the studio hired Miller to work up what became a typical, typically Miller-esque script filled with adult themes and violence. They paired him with co-writer and director Darren Aronofsky, fresh off Pi. So, wow. So, Pi was Darren Aronofsky's first film. And he was already lined up for Batman. Years later, Miller would recount to the Hollywood reporter that Aronofsky's take on the character was even darker than his was. The story the two of them cooked up certainly would have been rated R and was unlikely to cater to the massive merchandising surrounding the franchise. They rewrote much of Batman's origin, even departing from year one. Aronofsky would later describe his take as Death Wish or the French Connection meets Batman. That's crazy. He saw Jim Gordon as Serpico and Batman as someone like Taxi Driver's Travis Bickle. I got to tell you, I have a feeling that Matt Reeves, the Batman with Robert Pattinson, ha seems like it could be like Taxi Driver's Tra Travis Bickle. Later, Aronofsky almost made another hard-edged superhero movie, The Wolverine. Now, this I didn't know. The Wachowski sisters... Back in the day, they were the Wachowski brothers. Now they are the Wachowski sisters. Um, they had their own called Batman. They had their own Batman year one. Thanks to the Matrix, the Warner Brothers flir uh, flirted with the idea of having the Wachowskis direct Batman year one. Incidentally, years before uh, they helped finish Justice League and had Batgirl development, Josh Wheaton was in the mix for Batman too. Huh. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson's Batman versus Superman. While all these various ideas were getting kicked around, there was actually a Batman versus Superman movie in development more than a decade before the one that was released, the, the release one of what we got. There hadn't been a Superman movie since 1987, Superman for the quest for peace. So this was predates uh, Superman, Brett Radner's Superman. What the hell was that called? With uh, Brandon Ruth as Superman. Tim Burton nearly made his super. Well, this the, the 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 timeline here is all crazy. They're saying they're 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 citing Superman four in eighty seven. Tim Burton nearly made his Superman with Nicolas Cage, but that was in nineteen ninety eight ninety nine, which is chronicled in the brilliant documentary "The Death of Superman Lives." What happened? Uh, Charlie Angels and music video director McGee. Rush Hour franchise had Brett Radner and showrunner J.J. Abrams of TV's Alias and Star Wars were all involved with Superman at various stages. Well, Ratner eventually, uh, Ratner eventually he swapped franchises for better or worse with X-Men director Brian Singer. That's very true. Ratner made X-Men The Last Stand and oh, it was Singer who did the Superman Returns. That's what it was called. Brandon Ruth, Superman Returns. You got Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, and he was pretty good as Lex Luthor, too. 
But around 2002, the trades were abuzz with the talk of Air Force One director Wolfgang Peterson's Air Force One was a great film. Batman vs. Superman movie. It was supposed to shoot in 2003 for release the following year. Seven scribe Andrew Kevin Walker delivered a reportedly dark script, with which the I mean, obviously is the guy the guy wrote Seven, which the studio had rewritten by Akiva Goldsman, who had worked on both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Lex Luthor and the Joker were villains. Matt Damon, Jude Law, and Christian Bale were some of the names thrown around for the two leads. Ultimately, the studio decided they'd rather relaunch each character separately. Wolfgang Peterson moved on to direct Brad Pitt in Troy. Here we go. This is the big one that everybody knows about. You would have had the toe cutter as the Martian mother effing manhunter. George Miller's Justice League Mortal. I wish this came out. Last but certainly not least, there was almost a Justice League movie in 2009. Before we knew how awesome Mad Max Fury Road would be, I always thought and knew that Mad Max Fury Road would be awesome because George Miller is awesome. George Miller was all set to direct Justice League Mortal from a script by Kieran and, and Michelle Maroney, a husband and wife team who wrote Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows together. I like that Sherlock Holmes series with Robert Downey Jr. is a great Sherlock Holmes. The storyline sounds a bit like the plot of Avengers Age of Ultron. Like Tony Stark, Batman creates a bunch of robots to protect the world. The Omax. Those are the Omax. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Omax satellites. Yes. Um, Freaking Lighthouse was was pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. Um. Yeah, you have that. The oh, of course, the Omax. Batman creates a bunch of that happened. That actually happened in the fifty-two. But naturally, they turn evil. What is probably the most interesting thing about Justice League Mortal is how many heroes would have included. Uh, it would have included DJ Catrona, uh, who went on to play Flint in GI Joe: Retaliation to Superman. Army Hammer from the Social Network is Batman. Wonder Woman would have been played by an Australian model, Megan Gale, who Miller ended up casting as Valkyrie in Fury Road. Um, right. Yes, I know who she is. Adam Brody from the OC is the Flash. Rapper, actor, common as the Green Lantern. Santiago Cabrera from TV's Heroes as Aquaman. Here we go. Original Mad Max veteran Hugh Keys Byrne would have played the Martian Manhunter, and that would have been... Just the cat's meow. He ended up playing the main bad guy of Fury Road, Immortan Joe. He sure did. Zoe Kazan, who starred in, I believe that might have been his final film. Uh, Zoe Kazan, who starred in 2017's The Big Sick as Iris West. That's Iris West as Wally West's um, paramour. Com comedic actor Jay uh, Bur Burchell. I, I know, like the Canadian guy was cast as businessman Maxwell Lord. That's weird. With Teresa Palmer as Talia al Ghul. That would have been a weird cast. That's a weird cast. Fans have long salivated over concept art, sculptures, and storyboards from Justice League Mortal, which, which was never made due to a number of factors, including a writer's strike, which prevented rewrites from happening in time to make the studio's desired 2009 release date. Like Superman Lives, Justice League Mortal will get We'll get the documentary treatment with a look at the trouble production due in 2018. 
and it still never came out. Okay, so we're going to look at one other one here. What time, what time is it? We're at about an hour. Let's take a look at this one. There was another one. There was another article. It was all nine canceled films and why they didn't happen. Probably going to have similar explanations as what we just saw. But I think there, there are a couple different ones on here, which is why I wanted to just be thorough. So this is from Screen Ramp and it's by Sandy Schaefer. I'm not going to read the intro because there have, they're just, yes, there was going to be, a, here's another one. There was going to be a Batman Returns spinoff featuring Catwoman because Michelle Pfeiffer survived, right? She survives at the end and she was supposed to get a spinoff and that spinoff remained in development hell for 12 years until Halle, put, Halle Berry played Catwoman in her own standalone movie. And it was absolutely, it was so bad. She won a Razzie for it. It was just terrible, 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 terrible. It never happened. It, the, the, the film with, with Michelle Pfeiffer never happened, which is a shame because that would have been very cool to kind of see that. Um, Batman versus Godzilla. This was new to me. I have never... Never heard of Batman versus Godzilla. A year before the Cape Crusader got his full, his first full-length theatrical film, 1966, Batman the movie starring Wes. Everybody knows that's where, that's where the 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 Joker and Penguin and and crew dehydrate people into dust powder and put them in test tubes, which is so bizarre, right? Um, <laughs> freaking um. Longtime Godzilla movie writer Sin Sinichi Sekuzawa proposed the idea of Batman versus Godzilla, a film that would have pitted Batman and Robin uh, in a battle against the King of the Monsters, with a little help from their bat technology and bat vehicles. Naturally, of course, to this day there's still a lot that's unknown about the project, include, including whether. Sakizawa ever pitched his concept to DC and whether it was abandoned because of the Batman TV show and the movie that was starring West. Interestingly, both Batman and the American Godzilla franchise, e.g. the MonsterVerse, are now based at Warner Brothers. So technically, this crossover could still happen. It almost definitely won't, but there's no harm in dreaming. Hey, give us an animated version. I'm sure that would be cheaper, right? Um, <laughs> Batman versus Godzilla isn't that bonkers, man? Absolutely bonkers, right? Julie Newmar, there, the, you know, there was like four or five cat women, right? Tim Burton, they just call this Tim Burton's Batman 3. Let's see what they say here. Blah 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 blah. The movie would have not only brought back Pfeiffer's Catwoman from Batman Returns, but also had Billy D. Williams, Harvey Dent transform into Two-Face and join forces with Mickey Dolenz, a.k.a. the drummer for the Monkees, as the Riddler. In addition to Renee Russo, oh my God, Renee Russo, that is such a 90s name, who was going to play Chase Marie, and of course we got Nicole Kidman instead, she's great in that role, and Marlon Waynes was attached to portray Robin after he had been cast and then cut from Batman Returns. So there's no mention of, of him in the original Batman, Batman 89, 
However, when Batman Returns saw a significant drop at the box office from its predecessor and was criticized for its macabre tone and more grotesque elements, WB abandoned Burton's version. Burton didn't even want to do Batman Returns, let alone Batman 3 or Batman Forever. He was just not, he was not interested. We already talked about Joel Schumacher's Batman Triumphant, or as it's called, Batman Unchained. And what could have been, would have been absolutely amazing. Shame that didn't happen. Uh, here's one, a Batman and Robin spinoff. Look at that, the 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 freeze version of of bat of robin back in the 90s the wb was hot on the batman movies and had plans to expand them with multiple spinoffs including films about pfeiffer's catwoman which we just talked about and chris o'donnell's robin from batman forever and batman robin that's a good idea that would have been great the tournament to nightwing the former, as mentioned earlier, eventually became 2004's Catwoman, but the latter never saw the light of day in any form. As O'Donnell explained in an interview with Axis Hollywood in 2012, they were going to do a Robin spinoff back in the day, and then Batman and Robin was such a bomb, they were like, scrap that. The Dick Grayson version of Robin hasn't been depicted in a live-action movie since then. That's not true. Oh, yeah, yeah, they mention it here. Though he did receive a shout out during 2012's Dark Knight Rises when it's revealed that the character John Blake is legally named Robin Blake. And that would have been, you know, that he he eventually kind of becomes Batman basically at the end. The Dark Knight Rises, terrible film. In 2016's Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice also nodded to the death of Robin in the DCEU prior to the film's events. But that Robin is Jason Todd, like for sure. Um, we already talked about Batman Dark Knight. I'm not going to talk about it again. Based in part on Frank Miller's classic comic book story, The Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight featured Jonathan Crane, Kirk Landstorm, blah, blah, blah. Batman Year One, Batman Beyond. We talked about that as well. Darren Aronofsky, blah, blah, blah. Batman versus Superman. Is this the... Wolfgang Peterson, yeah. So these, so far, these are all the same. Justice League Mortal, we talked about that one. Ben Affleck's The Batman. Initially, the WB planned to follow up Batman versus Superman and Justice League with a solo DCEU vehicle for Batman. Ben Affleck's iteration of the Cape Crusader. And it's a crime that it didn't happen. I hope it happens one day. I really, really do. Simply titled The Batman, the film reportedly would have been a mystery and psychological thriller in the vein of David Fincher's The Game, with Affleck reprising his role as Bruce Wayne, in addition to co-writing the script and directing. In an interview, I mean, that was such the move, and they were so stupid not to do it. In an interview to promote The Way Back in February 2012, uh, 2020, Affleck explained that his eventual decision to step away from The Batman and the DC... EU in early 2017 saying he'd been kind of that he had kind of lost his passion for it and had been dealing with a variety of both professional and personal issues at the time. The Batman has since been completed and revamped is now being written and directed by Matt Reeves with Robert Pattinson playing a less experienced 30 something Batman. And that's basically it. Let's see what this says. It's just going to let us switch. Here we go. So there he is. There he is in the new bat suit. 
We'll see, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. Michael Keaton bat suit, classic. That, I mean, that to me, that's the 1939 version of Batman. You know what I mean? That is like the original Batman. Makes total sense. Then, let's see what else we got here. Val Kilmer and George Clooney. I, a great, oh, well, oh, it's got a nipple. Who gives a shit? Like, honestly, it makes me so annoyed. It looks fine. It's a great suit. Really is. Really is fine. Uh, surely, far better that he has that s stiff neck where he can't turn his head. He looks great in the mantle. Look at this goofball. Look at him. Look how goofy that suit is. Th this suit's a little bit cooler. I like the, the Batman Begins suit a lot more than the Dark Knight suit sucks. Just sucks. But the uh, the original, I I'll, I'll give that. I'll give it to that. The original suit's pretty cool. This suit's pretty cool. The, 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 the cowl is a little weird, but definitely more theatrical and Batman looking than the Dark Knight suit, which just looks so bad. Looks so stupid. And they gave it, gave it a practical purpose, practical reason. Um, Daniel was right. I think it was Daniel who said before, it really is. It's about the, the Dark Knight tr trilogy, Nolan's, Bat Nolan's films, whatever, Christopher Nolan's films. It's all about if someone really became Batman, like, you know, like as close as possible to being reality. And in that way, it kind of works, kind of makes sense. And then we get possibly the finest looking Batman of all. I mean, just just perfect is is Ben Affleck as Batman. He looks great, dude. He has that, he's thick, like T-H-I-C-C -C, thick. You know what I mean? Like a Snickers candy bar, just thick, dude. And um, he looks like that Dark Knight Returns Batman that we love so much. I love the way the bat, I love the way he has the short ears and I love the symbol on the chest. I love the material that his suit is made out of. It's black and gray. He, they just really nailed it with that suit. I, I've, I've always been happy with that suit. And, oh, they're not going to show us Pattinson's thing. I guess that brings us to the end. I guess that brings us to the end of our discussion about Batman. Should we do a Batman trailer breakdown? I kind of, you know... I've really debated like doing stuff like news stuff, like cutting edge news stuff, because, you know, it just doesn't last. It's not evergreen. This was kind of evergreen because we're discussing things that were canceled. I, I just saw it here after I X'd out. They they did do an animated version of The Long Halloween, and there is an animated version of The Dark Knight Returns with Peter Weller, Peter fucking Weller as Batman, as the over-the-hill Batman, and it's perfect. In fact, The Dark Knight Returns, the animated version, might be one of the finest adaptations of Batman from source material to to date. Really, truly, just stupendous. Um, I love Batman. I could talk about Batman forever, especially, ah, Batman forever, didn't even, didn't mean, didn't mean to say it like that. <clears throat> um... If this is your first time watching a show, please make sure to subscribe to the channel. I hope you enjoyed enjoyed tonight. Um, I Tomorrow, we're going to be in Lodi. Come join us in Lodi for 
they came from Lodi presents presented by me. I'm the I'm the MC. We're gonna do as Rue's saying here. November's the November from his fire. That's right. It's gonna be sick, dude. We're gonna have a great time. I'm wearing a cape. I'm gonna be wearing a cape. Make no mistake, you're gonna see me wearing a cape. And a mask. I will be wearing a mask because I have unvaccinated children. I don't care if I get COVID. I just don't want my kids to get COVID. Um, so that's it. That's it for tonight. I guess I'll play us out. Yes. Yes, um, Chris. I will be MC from us. Um, I'm sorry, Walter. You missed the show, but it's going to be on repeat. You can just listen to it. It's going to be. It's here. It's not going anywhere. Nothing's going nowhere. Check out, I'm telling you, watch that Danzig Sings Elvis episode. That was really good, really fun. Um, and make sure you like, share, subscribe, and join the Patreon, maybe? Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind the scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just wanna thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.